Well, good morning, Harmony. You guys have a good week? Apologize, I'm a little unprepared this morning. I got here early, but then uh, I got a call from Nicole, and she said I locked my keys in our car. So, quickly did the math on whether I could make it out there and back. So we rushed out, drove and picked up her and Jake, and flew back here just in time. <laughs> uh, let me jump into a, a few announcements, and then we'll uh, get into our series. First off, did everybody get the newsletter? If you didn't get a newsletter, make sure to get one out. Uh, we publish these every month, and we've got a lot of things going on uh, this month. Also, let me just introduce myself. My name is Luke Gradless. I have the great honor of being one of the pastors here at Harmony Baptist Church. I get to serve alongside Brother Joe Canales, who leads our Spanish worship in the morning. Uh, if you look at this month, we have a ton of things happening. So let me just start with the most immediate. On Thursday, November 10th, we're going to have a prayer meeting here at church at 7 o'clock. And so one of the things we've just wanted to do is really envelope ourselves in prayer this year, go to the Lord, ask for His wisdom, ask for His will to be done, really focus on His work in our lives. And especially with this election season being what it's been, so much anger, so much strife, so much arguing, so much yellowing, here's all I know that will happen on Tuesday. On Tuesday, half the nation will be upset and half the nation will be not upset. But no matter what, we will be a divided group. And so we just really thought it would be a great time to come together as a church family and go, you know what? we got a God who's bigger than all this. Let's pray for our world. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our church. So if you feel like coming out on Thursday, it's not going to be a sermon. It'll be prayer. It'll just be prayer, us breaking up into small groups, kind of praying through the needs of our world all the way down to our church. So keep that on your calendars. Uh, Sunday, November 20th, after church, we're going to have our Thanksgiving meal. Uh, we're asking members, please bring a side or a dessert. There's a sign-up sheet in the back if you want to sign up what you're looking for. If you need more details, uh, feel free to reach out to Margaret or to Donna, and they can kind of fill you in on that game plan there. Uh, on December 17th, we'll be having our Christmas party here at the church, so go ahead and mark that day down. It'll be December 17th at 5 p.m. Uh, a couple other things. Praise the Lord, our new roof's done. Everybody notice the new roof? Uh, you know, the hail worked out for us because that was going to be a big expense for us to fix on ourselves. Luckily, the insurance came through. And so we should have a nice solid roof over our heads for at least the next 20 years. So uh, good to see God watching out for us there. I also wanted to show you guys this. We have our new neighbor bags available. So we've done a couple things to make sure we get more information to our, our visitors and new neighbors. So if you're a first-time visitor, you'll get a bag like this with information about our church um, and just telling you a little bit more about what we do. The other thing we've done is we put together just this neighbor bag, and I want to thank Ava for doing this, but it has a little coffee cup with our church logo on it, some candy, some information about the church. What these are for is if in your neighborhood you see someone new moving in, come get one of these from us, and when you go introduce yourself and welcome them to the neighborhood, give them one of these bags and say, hey, we want to welcome you to the neighborhood for our church as well. This gives an opportunity to say hi. Welcome them, let them know we're there. Uh, make sure that they feel like there's a, a place that they can come and worship if that's something that they're looking for. Uh, so please, uh, if you need one of those, seek out Ava and she will be able to make sure you get one of those. The other thing we have going on in November is it's the month of prayer with our partners at Open Doors. Uh, our church likes to do two fundraisers throughout the year. At the beginning of the year, 
We do our farm fundraiser, which helps Christian missionaries uh, take farm animals to third world countries, teach people how to feed themselves, uh, get income from farm animals, kind of build up their livelihood, send their kids to school. The second half of the year, we do a fundraiser for Christian refugees. Uh, we take for granted sometimes here in America that we get to come to church openly and honestly every weekend and proclaim we're Christians. All across the world, there are people who can't do that. So this month, uh, we are doing a prayer through the world. And so every day on our Facebook page, you'll see that we're focusing on a different group of Christians that are being persecuted for their beliefs. And we're just asking for you guys to pray for them. Um, in addition to that, we are taking up an offering, which we'll be sending out at the end of the year. And this is, we don't have any goals set. We're just asking you guys, if you feel led on this, uh, when you put in your offering, just put for refugees um, on, the, on the note box, and we'll know that that's going to this fundraiser. What this group does, it helps provide shelter, food, and medical care to Christians that have been forced out of their homes because of their beliefs. Uh, we do have flyers in the back, uh, black and white copies of this, that will show you every day what group we're praying for. So if you want to grab one of those, feel free to grab that in the back. Or as always, just check out the Facebook page. You'll see each day who we're praying for and where our focus is. All right. I think that's everything. Only took 20 minutes. Now I'll try to cram a sermon in. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've been talking over the last few weeks about God and politics. So the two things you're told never to talk about, we're talking about every Sunday. And my prayer has been is that as you come to this, that you come with open hearts and you come with open minds and you're really truly submitting yourself to God's word and to God's wisdom. Today's topic is about immigration. And why I want you to really pay attention today is what you're going to find about some of these topics is there are topics like last week where we talked about abortion, where it is black and white. I can only make the biblical argument against abortion from God's word. I can make no biblical argument for abortion from God's word. That is one of those issues where it is just God clearly defines where he stands on that issue. Other issues like today's what we're going to find is is they're much more complex. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of different places to go for wisdom. There's a lot of different guidance. And you actually have two balancing things that you have to consider in how you make decisions on this topic. And why I want to point this out is that's kind of how life is. There are some topics where God is just going to stand down and go, this is what we're doing. This is where we stand. This is what we say. This is what we do. And that's that. And he will call it very clearly and boldly out for you. There are going to be other topics where what you as Christians really have to lean on is having a personal relationship with Jesus. And a personal relationship that's guided by you living in this word. You have to know this book. You've got to know the words that Christ speaks. And especially what God warns us is, is He says, hey, in the last days, there will be teachers. They will call themselves pastors. They will call themselves shepherds. And they will not preach to you the word. They will preach to you things that will make you feel good about yourself. Amen. They will preach to you the things that entertain you. And too many Christians today, especially in our country, take the words of pastors not the words of God. I pray that every single week as you are listening to me, that you are sitting there going into God's word and holding what I say accountable to his word. Jesus. Do not just simply because someone with 
pastor in front of their name says something, a mean that that's the word of God. You and you alone are responsible for your relationship with God, for your growth in His Word, and for your understanding of what He teaches and preaches. Amen. On a topic like this, there's something we often see, or we call it in, in theological circles, proof texting. Proof texting is when you go to God's Word, not submissively. Not to go, what God did you say about this? But instead to go, let me find a verse that supports my position. So you say, I believe this. Let me go find a verse that I can say matches that. What we don't want to be as Christians is people who do that. As Christians, what we want to do is we want to be a people who are immersed in that word. Amen. We know it through and through. And where our opinions come from is not us hoping to be supported by Scripture, but Scripture coming into our hearts and our minds, and that's how we form our opinions. And so, brothers and sisters, a couple things. One, bring this to church. Are you carrying your word with you? And man, let it be worn out. Amen. Let it be one where I can tell you use it. I'll be honest, it's kind of funny. Until I was about 23... I felt really weird writing in a Bible. I just didn't feel like anything I wrote should ever be on the same page as this. I have learned now that it's great to highlight, to put notes in, to, to really dissect this and to remember it. This has to be your guide. Okay, You should feel lost without this. You know that feeling you have at home when you can't find the TV remote? That's how you should feel when you don't know where your Bible is. It's funny, I, I laugh at that, but this week we, we don't have cable anymore. We have Amazon Fire. And it has this little tiny remote, right, which they think is so cool. I hate it because it gets lost. And by the way, it's Jake's favorite toy. So Jake will take it, run with it, and go hide it somewhere. And without it, there is no going to the TV and turning things on. So we spent 35 minutes Wednesday night tearing the house apart to find that little remote. Because without it, there was no TV. All right? Bible, where is it? Is it in your hands? Do you flip through it? Do you know it? Is it your good and cherished friend? Honestly, ask yourself, are you bringing it to church on Sundays? Guys, especially those that are raising kids, powerful image for them to see you every day with this thing. Amen. And for those kids in our programs who we get Bibles to after they've been here long enough, they should bring in their Bible with them. Because what you want to teach them is, what we listen to is not the words of Pastor Luke. We listen to the Word of God. Amen. And it comes from here. Alright? Now all that being said, I'm going to step on some toes now. Now what's funny about a sermon like today is because God's Word is going to support both sides, Republican and Democrat, and their immigration views, is that part of this sermon you can sit there and go, yep, that's exactly what I thought. But there's going to be another part where you're like, oh, that's not what I thought. So you can choose whether you'll be angry or happy today. My job is simply to share with you what God's Word says about it. So let's recap a few things we've talked about when we talk about politics. First and foremost, God is Lord over everything. I told you when I started this series, I've heard so many pastors say, just don't talk about politics. It's just going to divide your church. Can't. I can't. There is nothing 
in our lives that God's word doesn't apply to. And if there is any portion of my life where I am detaching God's wisdom and going, I rule in this area, I got a problem. God does care about your politics. God cares about your finances. God cares about your food. God cares about every single thing that involves you. So he is Lord of it all. Second, you are a Christian first and foremost. So I've said often in this country, the problem we have is not that people don't say they're Christians. It's that being Christian is fourth or fifth on their list. It's first, I'm a Republican, white, middle class, heterosexual Christian. No, I'm a Christian. All those other things fall below that. Everything else is submissive to me being a Christian. I should never be more proud of my nationality. I should never be more proud of my political party. I should never be more proud of my nationality than I am of the fact that I humbly get to be part of God's kingdom. That I am part of His family. That is the number one thing that I care about in my life. If that's not true, then that relationship is out of whack and you're going to see problems showing up in your life. You are Christians first and foremost. Third, God is almighty no matter what. One of the the, the two biggest things I hate about what I've seen this election cycle is one, everybody's angry. Everybody's angry. What we've turned this into is let's bash each other and we'll vote for the person that's least stupid. We are not talking about hope. We are not talking about love. We are not talking about what we can do that's awesome. We are not talking about how we can be a great nation. We are not talking about any of those things. We are just hitting each other and seeing who will stand. Anger never wins. God has called His people to be a people of love. And even when we disagree with each other, the beauty is, is in disagreement, love shines brightly. Because it's so easy when we're angry at each other to not show love. So it's a really cool thing when you can sit with somebody you disagree with, but they still go, man, I think that person cares about me. Because they go, I don't know why you care about me. We seem to disagree about everything. But even despite that, I think you actually care about me. So love has to show. The second problem is we are called to be hopeful no matter what. Brothers and sisters, whoever is elected on Wednesday or Tuesday, God will be no more powerful or less powerful Wednesday morning than He is today. There is no man, there is no woman, there is no person that can weaken or limit the power of God. And so thus, us people hanging all of our hope and all of our energy on which candidate will win and the fate of the nation hangs in it. No, it doesn't. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I think this is a huge election. I think with the Supreme Court justices that will be elected, you're looking at a presidency that could reshape decades of American policy. But guess what? At the end of the day, we will go where God will take us. No matter what. Throughout the pages of Scripture, He has used holy and unholy to accomplish His work. He will not be stopped. So no matter what, I have hope here. Because I know who my God is. Lastly, we are to respect and submit to our government. The only caveat we are ever given to disobey our government is if our government asks us to betray our God. That's it. So we have to really think about that because there are times where we promote 
And we share ideas that go against our government. And what we have to realize is, is well, we're free to protest. Well, we're free to voice our opinion. If God is, if government is not asking me to betray my God, I must submit to it. That is what my Lord has asked me to do. Because he goes, you know what? I put those authorities in place. So when you rail against them, you rail against my will to have them in place to begin with. And so we must remember that as we look at everything that involves this topic. So let's dig in. That's the foundation. Let's talk about immigration. First and foremost, we are to love foreigners and travelers. Amen. In fact, you could just replace that and say we are to love all people. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Greatest commandment is what? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And Christ clarifies, who's your neighbor? Any other live human being. And it's beautiful. What I love about Scripture is so many people are like, it's so complicated. 66 books, written over a thousand years, different languages, different authors. You got grace, you got law, you got all these. No, it's not. From beginning to end, God says two things. Love God, love people. Ten commandments. First half, love of God. Second half, love people. All of the prophets that ever existed, when they were calling out condemnation on Israel, you know why? It was either because they weren't loving God, or guess the second one. They weren't loving people. Jesus shows up and goes, guess what? I'm here to tell you something you've already heard. Love God, love people. It's very, very simple. That's the, that's the whole thing. Love God, love people. That's all it is. The only time it gets difficult is, is loving people's hard. It truly is difficult to be a sacrificial individual. Why? We are born into a flesh that's so selfish. The majority of our thoughts... The majority of our energy, the majority of our time is spent on, what do I want? So the only reason things get hard with Christianity is because of what we're fighting, not because of how complex it is. It's very simple. We're to love. Now God does, in His Word, specifically call out love that we should have for foreigners and for travelers. And so I'm going to look at a few of those verses here. Matthew 25, 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Again, this goes back to God's understanding and concept of love. God has always said the light shines the brightest in the darkness. You are called to be light in the midst of darkness. Well, guess what? If we just love the people we know, if we just love our family members, our friends, everybody does that. Even the most despicable people in the world tend to normally have a circle of people they will actually love and care for. Have you ever watched any of these documentaries about some of these mob bosses? And they're brutal people. And their kids will be like, great dad. He loved me so much, man. He was always there for me. Like, the guy was a psycho, but loved his kid. So this small circle of loves, that's natural. What God's saying is expand that. I want you to love in such a way that even when there's no reason for you to love them, you do. That's what shakes the world. It's a love that's not easy to understand. Look at Exodus 20, 21, or 22, 21. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So God starts to make a connection. He's starting to say to his Israelites, hey, remember, the reason you love is because you've been in those shoes before. 
and you were loved. You were taken care of. And so he's saying, hey, remember where you've been and where you come from. This love is an important thing. You've leaned on it. Show it to others as well. Zechariah 7, 9-10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise against evil in your heart. So God kind of groups these people together and goes, Look, there are people you're going to run into that by circumstance are weaker than you. Not spiritually, but by circumstance are weaker than you. You run into the wife with no husband who can barely care for herself. Maybe she doesn't have that financial income anymore. She doesn't have a protector anymore. You run into those children with no more parents to watch out for them. Or you run into that foreigner traveling through a land that they don't understand. You, my people, love them. Care for them. Stand up for them. Remember what I told you when we were talking about race and all these violence we see in our country? Do not just be mad when you see white people getting killed. Don't just get mad when you see black people getting killed. You have to be angry whenever injustice happens. Even if injustice doesn't happen to you and your kind. If you only care about injustice when it hits home, you really don't care about injustice. Those that stand in God's word and God's truth are always enraged when they see violence and injustice happening around them. And they will stand for that always. That's why even here at our church, we do not have a lot of wealth. We don't have a lot of bodies. But we have chosen little ways to make a difference in this community. It's why we're supporting groups like our addiction centers. It's why we're supporting the children's shelter with those kids that don't have homes. It's why we're looking at these different organizations we can help. Because we realize we have a duty, not just to care about ourselves, but to care about everyone, especially those that are too weak to defend themselves. We have this duty. Look at Leviticus 19, 33-34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So again, God calls us back, and he says, again, it gets real simple. How do you know how to sacrificially love? Love as you wish people would love unto you. So just as you were cared for when you were a traveler, do that as well for others. Do that as well for others. Second, we are to allow them an opportunity to become citizens. So very easily, should we be mean to immigrants? No. no. Now, you really probably didn't need a sermon for that. I hope you just knew that. Right? Because there should be no one where we go, it's justified to be mean to them. All right? But yes, we are to show love to immigrants in our country. We are to take care of them. We are to provide for them. We are to allow them an opportunity to become citizens. So listen to this. Ezekiel 47.22. Now, I want to give you one caveat real quick. A lot of this is from the Old Testament. The reason that's important to look at the Old Testament is, is Israel was a theocracy. So, well, it's different in America because we are not a theocracy. We have never said that we are Christians leading by a Christian government or Christian laws, even though a lot of them do align to Christian morality. Israel was. There was God, their Lord and King. 
And even after they established a person as king, it was still God who was dictating the laws of the land. So even though this nation doesn't exist anymore in this royal sense, we still get the wisdom of God by seeing how God led his people. So look at Ezekiel 47.22. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children among you. They shall be to you as native-born children of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. Alright, now if I stop this sermon right here, I think we pretty much think all of these verses align with one party's view. Correct? Right? I could just drop the mic, be done, and be like, hey, we're done. It's over. But here's the problem. The Bible's more complex than that. The Bible has more to say than just this. And so this is where I urge you, don't be proof textures. And not just proof textures on immigration, but on any topic. Because it's easy to pick and choose simple verses and go, boom, there's my story. I'm Christian. If you stand against me, you're not. And let's be real, if you've been on Facebook lately, you've seen that happening. Amen. Right? Oh, my, my, my loving wife. She posted something political on Facebook, and I went, no! I'm like, honey, I know what you intended, but you just wait to see what's about to happen in the comments on your posts. So what's funny is her thing wasn't very charged in any one direction or another, but man, the comments of all the people that just followed after, just zinging each other. It's like you almost just don't want to fray into that world anymore because it's like people are so angry about it. And my favorite is, is I've seen Christians on both sides of the aisle go, well, you're clearly not being biblical. And the other one's looking back, no, you're not being biblical. They're probably both not being biblical. You've got to look at the full context of everything. So absolutely, do we have a mission to reach the world? Yes. Do we have a duty as Christians to care for those that are in our country as immigrants? Yes. Do we have a need to help them and provide for them? Yes. But there is other things to consider. So a very important thing here. If you study Hebrew, there's a couple different words used in the Old Testament. The one that most commonly you saw in those verses was sojourner, which actually is to this word, jur. A sojourner, the definition of that, is a traveler who is in the land with permission from the governing authorities. So if you study Israel and you study these laws, there was treaties signed between Israel and other nations that allowed for people to come and live in their land. So these sojourners, these people that we have all these rights for, that we love and that we care for, most of them were there with permission. They were there because there was an agreement that Israel's king said, come in. Now, we do see different words here for foreigners. You have nekar and zar. These both were used for the word foreigner. So these refer to those who are traveling through the land, but not staying. What you will see is God is loving to both groups of people. There was policy in Israel that you did not harvest the crop on the edge of your plot. Why? So that as a traveler who was passing through your city or your land, was moving through, if they were hungry, what could they do? They could eat from your land. 
Because God wanted to make sure that anybody that came into his land would be taken care of, loved, and provided for. Okay? But this is where it starts to get more complicated on this, comp this issue of immigration. God expected foreigners to conform to national laws. So you did need to have permission to be there. And from the moment you lived in the land of Israel, you now lived by the laws of Israel. Now, if anybody has spent time studying the Old Testament laws, those are significant laws. They're harsh laws. And they completely conform everything in your life. Israel's laws impacted your finances, your food, your marriages, your parenting, your business, everything. And most of the time, if you obey, disobeyed significant rules, it would result in serious damage to you, imprisonment, or death. So when we talk about this topic of immigration, it's important to realize we also have to realize there's legal and illegal immigration. And God stands in different places on both. There's always the umbrella of love. However, love requires sacrifice and submission even to our government. And so those that are here illegally, that does not align with what God's word calls for. Now let me give a huge caveat here. The reason I started with love, and I want to stress love is, is so often when we talk about these things, we don't talk about them in a tone of love. Are there people in our country who are here illegally? Yes, of course. Are these people all evil? No. Are some of them evil? Yes. Just like some of the citizens of our land are evil. Are some of them here with good and honest intentions? Yes. Were some of them running from terrible situations? Yes. Does that negate that God asks us to obey the laws of the land we live in? No. It does not. So I think the thing that's been most disturbing to me when I look at this political landscape is, is that I see a lot of people talking about illegal immigration, non-illegal immigration. I don't see a lot of people proposing laws to correct the problem. The reality is, we as Christians cannot stand for illegal immigration. God calls us to respect and submit to the laws of our land. Now, what's unbelievably confusing to us in our country is, is we ourselves have stopped listening to our own laws. We now actually have government agencies that will catch an illegal immigrant, know that the law says to do what? Deport them, and what will the government agency do? Not deport them. So there's a ton of confusion because people go, well, I know what the law says, but I also don't know what your behavior's saying. And so the biggest thing that all of us should be praying for is for a policy that's clear and loving. Amen. That makes sense. And then a nation of people that abide by those laws. God consistently warns us, a divided house will fall. Amen. A divided house will crumble itself. That's why the, the biggest thing I'm worried about in this country isn't who wins. It's what will we do after. The saddest thing for about the last 12-15 years is Whoever wins, that really all represents just barely a majority. You still know there's somewhere between like 49 and 50% of the population who's devastated. 
And knowing that we as a nation stand that divided doesn't look good for our future. Because the people that can't come together, how, if we can't love each other, how will we defend ourselves against our enemies who come at us? So when we start to look at immigration, what I need you to start to understand is as we submit to the Word, yes, love is to guide us in everything, but there also has to be a submission to law. And we also have to understand that God protected greatly against His culture being watered down. Look at Exodus 12.49. There shall be one law for the native and one for the stranger who sojourns among you. So God's big thing about Israel was, if I let you come into my land, you will live like us. Because what God knew is, if I don't let you do that, then what rises up is a divide. And eventually we lose who we are, our identity, our love for each other, and we will fall. And so God was very protective that whoever came into Israel lived like an Israelite. And there were even times in the Bible where it became so clear to God that another culture lived in such paganism he wouldn't even allow people to come live in his land. So throughout the Old Testament, have you ever read those passages where God wipes out a nation completely? It's kind of scary the first time you read it because it's like God goes, I want the whole thing gone. Wipe out everyone. Burn the crops, kill the animals. No one survives. You're like, man... How does that work? And what God will say is, those that worship Baal will not come into this land because they will bring their beliefs, they will lead this nation astray, they will lead your children to no longer worship me. And that I will not stand for. God protected the culture of Israel. Look at Deuteronomy 16.14. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. Here he's talking about religious festivals and he's saying, guess what? I, once, if they're part of the family, if they're in the nation, then they're part of the family. But there are conditions to being part of the family. And so we have to keep that balance in mind as we look at this topic. What I tend to see in the political atmosphere is we either go one way or we go completely the other. And it's hard to find that middle ground. I absolutely want America to be a nation that is a beacon of light in a world of darkness. I want people to be flocking here because they know here they're free, there is love, there's an opportunity to grow, there's an opportunity to know a good and loving God. At the same time, we also got to make sure people that come in these walls, they want to be part of our nation. They actually want to be part of this. They don't just want to come here and create something new. They want to come here and be part of the nation our God has created here. And this is where the balance comes into place. And this is where topics like this require you to understand more about the context of what God's Word says. Look at Numbers 15.29. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is a native among the people of Israel, and for the stranger who sojourns among them. Do you see this consistency? One law, one way of life, one culture. It's what you have. One group of people. That's why I've even warned, you know, our biggest concern when we started our Spanish service at 9.30 was it cannot be the Spanish church and the English church in the same building. 
It is one church. Amen. One service in English, one service in Spanish, but we are one church family. Amen. The moment we start acting like two church families, we will fall. Amen. We have to be united. We have to be together. That is what God calls for in His people. Exodus 20.10 But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. All these verses, they're saying the same thing. But what I want you to see is, do you see how many times God talks about these kind of things? This goes back to that concept of embrace the word. Be in this word and know what it says through and through. I know so many people who will just go to Google, will type in a Bible verse about one thing, and go, cool, that's what the Bible says. Done. No, read the book. Read the book. Read it all. Get into its word. Ask questions. Dig around. Guess what? There is no question that God is afraid of you asking Him. Amen. None. The saddest thing I know about so many Christians is you guys sit here because you just sit here. I come to church because I go to church. I, well, you know, that's what mom and dad taught me. Or, I, I don't know, that's just what I've always done. No! You're here, or should be here, because I'm in a passionate relationship with God. And my desire every day is to be by His side. And the thing that drives me is to know Him, and to know Him completely. I'm infatuated with knowing His Word. I hunger to know what's in this pa these pages. I desire to be with Him and to hear that voice every day. That's got to be the passion that burns in you. If that's not there, then this is going to be an empty journey for you. You've got to be driven by hunger to know Him. And what I encourage you is, don't get locked in your ways of thinking. I pray every week when I write a sermon, God, don't let me just move off my biasness. Let me come with fresh eyes to your word. Let me come with fresh eyes to your truth. And let me humbly submit to it. If I find something that challenges the way I think, don't let me throw it out or ignore it. Let me pray on it. Let me meditate on it. Let me look into that. Because at the end of the day, I don't desire to be a smart man. I desire to be a man that knows God's word. That's it. And I know if we do that as a people, God will bless us. He will ultimately bless us. Last thing. I've already kind of touched on this, but just hammer it home. God expects us to follow the laws of our land. The only caveat to that is when? When the laws ask us to betray our God. Besides that, we have to submit to the laws of the land. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Amen. So let me get real. I know we're at 12.05, so let me get real for five minutes. Is it your job to find illegal immigrants and have them deported? No. Now, if you're a business owner, should you be hiring illegal immigrants? No. Not according to the words of God. As an illegal, if you know someone who's an illegal immigrant, the first and foremost thing you should have is a desire to love them, a desire to introduce them to the Lord, 
and then you should have a desire to help them with every ounce of ability you have to be someone who can stay here. To have them be someone who can stay here and work through the right channels in the right way to help them do that. The problem we have is so often we just skirt around the topic. We either go, well, I'm going to love, so I'm going to disobey the law, which is not what God calls us to do, or we're so caught up in the law we don't show love. And what we've got to find is there is a middle ground to this. There is a way to submit to the law and to show love. And that's got to be what we strive to do more and more and more, is to be a people that let that love guide us and show us that there's a way to be both things. To be honest, this is going to be the greatest struggle Christianity will have as we move forward in this culture. Not immigration, but the understanding that love doesn't just mean everything's permissible. Where we see a lot of people railing against Christianity now is because we do have rules. God does say, hey, not everything's good. There are some things I don't want you to do. And what people want to say is, well, the moment you want to stand and say, don't do this, don't do that, you think you're better than me. You don't love me. And what we've got to show is, no. I can disagree with your lifestyle and still love you. I can tell you that there is right and wrong and still sacrifice for you. And so the big thing that we've got to look for in our lives is, is when we go out into this world, is the first and foremost thing people see about you is that you love them and you care for them. It doesn't have to be that you agree with them, but do you love them and do you care for them? I have people who are in my life, we disagree on a lot. But I don't doubt for a second they know that I love them. And I don't doubt for a second that they love me. That's the beauty of love. The Bible even tells us love covers a multitude of sins. So I pray for you as you go through all these things, as you study, as you learn, as you look at what God's Word has to say about the decisions you have to make in your life, that what you're always looking through is through the lens of love. And that while you will stand by the river of truth and plant yourself there like a tree, Telling even when the world comes to you and says right is wrong or wrong is right, you will stand there, but you will do it in such a way that declares, I still love you. Be like our Savior who upon that cross, even as he was being murdered and yelled at and cursed at, said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they do. He wasn't going to stop his path, but he was going to still love them as he went against what they wanted. That has to be the kind of people we are. I leave you with this. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Amen. It's going to be an emotional week. We're going to hear a lot of different angers and emotions and all kinds of stuff. Pray that God's will be done. Pray that if you haven't already voted, that you submit your vote to that word. That you do what not what you think is best, but what you think God wants you to do. Whichever way that is. And then if you can, come back and join us on Thursday night. And let's pray as a family. Let's pray for God's word and God's love and God's power to just change this world, to change this nation, and change this city. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Dearly Father.